0: Psalm 125. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to them to Psalm 125. And uh, we're talking about rock solid faith that is unshakable to the end. And uh, at the top of your lesson notes, it says the shaking of an earthquake in an election. Uh, You know, if you listen real carefully, you can hear the shaking of the foundations. Of our country, you can hear the shaking of the foundations of the world. And so, here's what I want you to discuss, just a little bit in, at your at your table: How has the current state of our country, the moral values of our government, or the lack thereof, and the craziness of this current election shaken your sense of security and stability, and perhaps even tempted or threatened your integrity? Uh, You know, tempting you to respond in the wrong way or react in the wrong way. You can also answer in terms of working under an unethical employer or being under the authority of an unethical spouse, okay? So talk about this. This isn't the whining, you know, this isn't uh, two minutes of griping and whining. It's share how your security, your uh, a sense of stability, how your integrity has been tempted or threatened in light of the shakings of our country. So go ahead. Take, a, take a whack at it. All right, good, 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 good. Kind of unsettling, all right? It indeed is a little bit unsettling, but the good news is the Word of God speaks to these issues. speaks. To our times, and it certainly does in Psalm 125. Let's look at where we're at in our journey to joy. If uh, uh, you're reading one reading plan, you just finished Psalm 125 five times. If you're reading through the Psalms, you just finished them for the second time, and you're about ready to start your third time through the Psalms of Ascent. And as we look at this, you see there in your chart, these, first, these uh, Psalm 123 through 125 repeat this pattern, stuck in a hostile place, and uh, they're surrounded by slander and scorn in, in Psalm 120, 123. Then they're on the move, headed towards Jerusalem and God's presence and God, with God's people, and they need help, and the Lord is by our side for help, and the Lord is on our side in those two Psalms. But then, the, 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 the third pattern is that we arrive at the place of God's worship. We arrive at the place of God's presence. And we're enjoying peace with God's people, in God's presence, in God's place. And in Psalm 122, we saw peace with the community of the Lord, in the community of the Lord. And today, we're going to see peace in the security of the Lord, So let's look at Psalm 125. It's a beautiful psalm, and I hope that I can communicate um, and, and, and you can be impacted like I have this week studying this psalm. Let's look at it. Psalm 125. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forever. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest upon the land of the righteous, that the righteous may not put forth their hands to do wrong. Do good, O Lord, to those who are good, and to those who are upright in their hearts. But as for those who turn aside to their crooked ways, the Lord will lead them away with the doers of iniquity. Peace be upon Israel what a comforting what a solid solid verse and here's kind of or solid song here's kind of the overview of this it's it, it, the message of the psalm is, is is really practical it's a rock solid faith in the lord a rock solid faith in the lord will build a wall of security around the heart of integrity so that we can live with unfailing fidelity now and for all of eternity. That's the idea. The ESV study Bible really nails the big idea of the Psalm when it says this, the Psalm instills confidence in the Lord's people that remaining loyal to Him is really worth it. The leading image is of Zion as a city surrounded by sheltering mountains. It is possible that some of Zion's citizens might go over to evil, but the Lord will see to it that he publicly vindicates his faithful ones. This is like Psalm 122 in that it stresses the ideal of what the city should be, what God's people should be, and the faithful will do their part to make it live up to that ideal. And so for us today, I see two big ideas in this psalm. The first is we're faced with a challenge, and the challenge is this. Don't let Living under ungodly authority, shake your shalom. And we're going to talk about what that means. But then it presents us with confidence. This is a confidence-building song. song. And and the confidence is this, that a rock-solid faith in the Lord will build a wall of security around your integrity so that you can live in loyalty even under ungodly leadership and that's exactly where we find ourselves so let's take a look at let's look at the challenge because if you don't understand the challenge then you're not gonna pursue the confidence that God provides in this song so let's look at the challenge don't let living under ungodly authority shake your shalom you say I didn't know I had shalom and I didn't know it was shaking well let's talk about that a little bit in in the end this psalm is all about shalom look at the end of verse 5 it ends with this just phrase, peace be upon Israel. And as most of you know, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. But I want you to see a little bit about what this verse, what this, this, um, this concept of shalom really means. And I, just a couple observations. The first is this, shalom is more than peace. It's translated peace, It means peace, but it's more than peace as we like to think about peace and like we like to experience. So if you see, peace be unto Israel, this psalm promised me peace, we tend to think, oh, life without problems. I'll sign up for that. Life without negative circumstances, would that not be grand? Okay, life without traffic jams. Anybody up for that? How about no hard, hard drive crashes, right? No screaming kids? Any moms? You ready for that? Grandma? Okay, right over there. Two hands up. And uh, yeah, that's peace, man. Life without conflict, without cancer. Life without wars, without sof- suffering. Now listen, shalom is all that and then some. Shalom is all that and then some. Here's what shalom is, uh, as simple as I can make it. Shalom is the state of living according to the purposes of God for His people. Shalom is not the absence of all these, not just the absence of things. Shalom is not just life how I wish it would be. Shalom is life as, as God intends it to be and I am living as He intends it to be, and I get to experience the joy and the peace of living according to His order of things. It's the joy of living in right relation to God under His gracious and sovereign rule. It's putting myself under His authority and finding peace in that, finding joy in that. It's about finding our stability and security in Him in spite of the screaming kids, in spite of the traffic jams, okay? It's about maintaining our integrity when others are compromising theirs. It's about finishing our race, living according to God's standards, not losing our joy, the joy that comes from being in relationship with Him, even under the scepter of wickedness. It's about making progress on our journey to joy, Realizing that we'll never experience perfect shalom, perfect joy, perfect peace until one day we, we arrive at the new Jerusalem and all things are made right and his kingdom has come and his rule has been extended over all things. So shalom is the freedom to fulfill God's purposes and the fulfillment that comes from that. It's an internal state, which we tend to think of, but it's also the external state of being right with God and finding our satisfaction in living with integrity in the sight of God. Just a couple other ideas. It's reaching our destiny for which we were designed. It's fulfilling the purpose for which we are created. So peace is what we typically think, but it's so much more. And the reality is this. If peace really is living righteously under God's rule, then there will never be peace on this world until the scepter of wickedness is replaced with the scepter of righteousness. Are you with me? Until the rule of the ungodly is is replaced with the rule of the godly. There will not be peace on earth. You can give away water, you can dig wells, you can feed the hungry, and you can care for the orphan. And we should do all of that, but it won't bring peace until God's rule extends over this planet in submission to His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's shalom. But here's the challenge. Here is the challenge is the challenge that we have right now, right now, and it's increasing, is this. To not let living under ungodly authority right now shake our shalom. Don't let your confidence in God, don't let your living for God be shaken by ungodly leadership, ungodly laws. I want you to think in terms of you, you, you're enjoying stability. You're enjoying security. You're enjoying tranquility. You're living with integrity. And then an earthquake comes. Buildings fall. Electricity goes out, and suddenly there's no security. Suddenly there's no stability. Suddenly you're tempted to steal your neighbor's uh, resources so you can take care of your family because integrity is threatened. Well, think in terms of, and this is hard for us in America, But it's not hard to think about what I'm about to say if you live in Syria. Think of living in a tranquil, peaceful, stable, secure country. And then ungodly uh, people invade. And an ungodly authority is set up. And and the government is overthrown. And now it's a brutal, God-hating, violent government that opposes God and opposes His people. Boy, all of a sudden, security, stability, integrity... It's all out the window. Shalom is shaken. And see, that's exactly what seems to be happening in Psalm 125. Is It ends with, peace be upon Israel, but it says something about the scepter of the wickedness, and there's doers of iniquity in this song, and there are uh, people that do wrong and people that are, uh, turn aside to crooked ways. In fact, there's three kinds of people in this song. There's the true believers who are being threatened and tempted by the scepter of wickedness. There are false believers who are compromising and turning aside under the pressure of the ungodly. And there's unbelievers who are the ones ruling with a rod of iron and running roughshod over God's people. There's three kinds of people in there. But when you look at this song, as we're going to see at the end of this lesson, there's only two destinies. The faithful are headed for shalom in God's kingdom. The compromisers, the false believers and the unbelievers, are headed for the same destiny. They will be removed. They are the ones who will be shaken. So let me give you, just to bring that down now, that's kind of the big picture. Let me bring this down to where we are living. When God in His providence allows His people To live under ungodly authority. And that's what we have. Would you agree in our country? And with the choices before us, it's only going to get worse. But when God and His wisdom and providence, which is mysterious and beyond our understanding, allows us to live under ungodly authority, our shalom gets threatened and our integrity gets tempted. So this is what I want you to see. First of all, living under ungodly authority threatens our shalom. It threatens our shalom. It threatens the stability of God's people. Ungodly authority always wants to move us from where God has us to where, where the, the ungodly wants us. Okay? So, ungodly authority is always establishing laws and making decisions And making it difficult in order to upset the stability of God's people. They're always trying to move us away from where God wants us to be. In fact, in the book of Acts, in chapter 8, the ungodly persecution from the ungodly scattered God's people out of Jerusalem. The very place, the very place where they were gathered. Ungodly authority seeks to say you can no longer do what you've been doing. You must now do what we tell you to do. Secondly, it threatens the security of God's people. Ungodly authority threatens to attack us, to do us physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual harm. You say, I don't feel that. Well, you you can say that, and then you need to put yet. Because the vast majority of God's people live Without a sense of security. All right? In fact, when you study through the book of Acts, Stephen was stoned, James was executed, and Peter and John were beaten. Ungodly authority threatens the security of God's people, it threatens the integrity of God's people. Ungodly authority wants to squeeze us into the mold of their mindset. Okay? It wants to control our thoughts. It wants to influence our desires. It wants to make us think like them, act like them, and be like them. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Do not be uh, squeezed into the world's mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Finally, it threatens the mobility of God's people. Ungodly authority seeks to prevent us from going where God wants us to go. And in Acts 4, Peter and John were told, stop preaching in that name. You cannot go out and preach in that name. And the book of Acts ends with Paul being in prison, no longer being able to go on his missionary journeys. That's what living under ungodly authority does. So, there's no doubt that our shalom gets threatened. Our security, our stability, our integrity, our mobility. But something else happens. Our integrity gets tempted. And that's the second thing I want you to see. Living under ungodly authorities tempts our integrity. Now, in this song, there's at least three descriptions, four, actually, I think, of the ungodly. The scepter of wickedness. They're wicked. They're doers uh, doers of wrong. They do wrong in verse 3. And they're called, in verse 5, doers of iniquity in verse five and all four all three or four of those phrases show us where our integrity is going to get tempted so let me first show you this it tempts us to comply with their wicked demand when you're under wicked authority when you're under ungodly authority we will be tempted to comply, to obey, to follow their wicked demands. That's what the idea is in verse 3. Look at verse 3 in your Bible. It says, look, the righteous may be tempted to do wrong when you're living under the scepter of the wicked. And when you look at verse 3, doing wrong means acts of unfaithfulness, acts of wickedness, things that God's people shouldn't do. So here's some of the pressure we're under. Here's some of the pressure that we're under as we live under ungodly authority. Things like stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Stop being so exclusive. Stop saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Stop saying there's a hell. Stop saying the other religions are not leading people in the right way stop preaching the name of jesus stop saying that homosexuality is a sin how can you say that this is the 21st century stop saying that's a sin stop being a bigot stop being a hater start attending start attending start performing start celebrating same-sex marriages this is going to be the law of the land this is basically the law of the land and we have exemptions for now, but those exemptions in the years to come, in the very soon years to come, will be eliminated. Stop stop calling light, stop calling darkness light. Start affirming that which is immoral, that which is ungodly. And listen, those, guys, those of you, all of you, most of you, who work in the workplace, the temptations to be unethical... The temptations to comply with ungodly demands increases all the longer in the secular workplace. Barely a week goes by that I don't talk to to godly men who bring up the temptations to comply with ungodly demands in the workplace. In fact, I just talked to a man, I'm not even sure he's a, a true believer, but who just told me, yeah, I just walked out of my job. I just quit because it was just too unethical. I just couldn't do it anymore. Secondly, it tempts us to conform to their evil desires. It tempts us, living under ungodly authority or working under ungodly authority, tempts us to conform to their evil desires. That's the idea. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 begins with the scepter of wickedness. Verse 5 ends with doers of iniquity. And in between, you begin... To desire what ungodly people desire. Hey, if you're surrounded by it long enough, you begin to think like it. You begin to laugh like they do at work. You begin to talk like they do at school. You begin to talk like them, act like them, think like them. You begin to be entertained like they are entertained. You begin to watch what they watch without even thinking, is this pleasing to the Lord? Am I laughing at that which is sinful? Listen, we're in an entertainment society and with social media we're saturated with the desires of the wicked. And all too often we're tempted to be entertained by what they're entertained by. And what is an abomination, to be quite frank, what is an abomination to the Lord? And ultimately what ungodly governments want to do. This idea of a doer of iniquity. A doer of iniquity is someone that wants to eliminate from the face of the earth the worship of the one true God. And that's basically what godless governments seek to do. They seek to whitewash, eliminate, and remove the name of the one true God, the preaching of the one true God, the worship of the one true God, and when it gets intense, the people of the one true God. And our government is no longer an exception to that. It's living life under an ungodly authority and it tempts us thirdly to compromise with their crooked ways. So first comply with their wicked demands, conform to their evil desires, And to compromise by turning aside from their wicked ways. Look at verse 5. But as for those who turn aside to their crooked ways. In other words, there's going to be some of God's people who profess to be God's people who are going to turn aside. They're going to compromise and say, you know what? I think that's what the Bible says about those sins. I think the Bible is a little too narrow here and we need to widen it. I think we need to invite everybody to the table. And they begin to go down the crooked way of the doers of iniquity. You see, the bottom line is the scepter of wickedness tempts us to compromise by turning aside from the straight path, the narrow path, to the crooked path, the broad path, but the path that leads to destruction. So that's the challenge. Do you feel the weight of it? Do you feel the weight of it? Are you living in it? That's the challenge. Don't let ungodly authority shake your shalom. But here's the confidence that comes from this psalm. Here's the confidence. A rock-solid faith in the Lord will build a wall of security around your heart of integrity so that you can live with fidelity now and for all of eternity. So let's look. At three reasons from this psalm, why the threats and the temptations of living ungodly authority doesn't have to shake your shalom. Okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, your shalom doesn't have to shake. Okay? Your shalom doesn't have to shake. Alright? There's good news. Here's three reasons. I know, it kind of sounds fun, doesn't it, Pat? Let's shake your shalom there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But this, no, we don't want to be shaken. So here's three reasons, all right? Are you ready with me? Let's look at it. We're going to see, first of all, there's a picture of protection in the first two verses, a beautiful picture of protection in light of the Lord's presence. Let's take a look at it. In verses 1 through 2, 1 and 2, we see that a rock-solid faith in the Lord is pictured as unshakable security like the mountains that surround Mount Zion the city of Jerusalem. Look at verses 1 and 2 with me. Those who trust in the Lord are as Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forever. So again, we have the picture. Remember, we're pilgrims, not Thanksgiving pilgrims, Trina. We're sojourning. We're pilgrims, strangers in a strange land. We're headed to Jerusalem. And as we ascend up to the elevated place where Jerusalem is, it's on a high mountain, Mount Zion. But here's the awesome news. There's even bigger mountains that surround Jerusalem. And they surround them like a wall of protection. Any Star Trek fans here? Every sci-fi movie, you have shields up. A wall of protection, and when those walls and those shields are there, what? Nothing can penetrate, nothing can shake your shalom. That's the picture here. So here's the principle. Rock-solid faith in the Lord's presence with you builds a stable wall of security around God's people. So let's look at the picture. First of all, it's a picture of eternal stability like Mount Zion. Those who trust, you've got to put your trust. Where's your trust? Where's your trust? If your trust is in the I am God, the God of Israel, then you are like Mount Zion that cannot be moved. Rock solid faith in the Lord gives us stability. Now, this is kind of an interesting verse when you think about it. We're familiar with the idea, are we not, that faith can move mountains? Well, this is telling us that when you have faith in the Lord, you're a mountain that can't be moved. <laughs> Trent like I got to think through that a little bit, right? Yeah, faith can move mountains, but when you put your faith in the Lord, you're a mountain that can't be moved. That can't be moved. Mountains speak of strength and temples and palaces were built on the top of mountains, and that's true that's why Mount Zion's Mount Zion because God's temple And the kingdom and the palace of the sons of David are built on that. So, But the pagans did that too. They built temples and palaces on mountains because they wanted to get closer to God. But here's the thing. Your palace, your temple, your mountain is only as stable as the God that you worship. And guess what? When you worship the I am God, the God of Moses the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who became man in the person of Jesus Christ, when you worship that God, your life, your mountain, it's stable, and it won't be moved. Second, we got a picture of eternal security, like the mountains that surround Jerusalem. Because here's the neat geographical uh, tidbit I'm going to give you today. So mount, uh, the mountain that Jerusalem sits on is surrounded by these higher mountains there's higher mountains that are around it and they form a wall of protection sometimes we forget Jerusalem started out being a stronghold that David conquered David and his army conquered it's a secure place and it's hard to attack it's hard to penetrate and what 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 the song is telling us is listen Listen, you have a wall of security around you when the Lord is present with you. Remember that Mount Zion is the place where the city of Jerusalem is built and the city of Jerusalem is where the temple is. And where the temple is, God's presence dwells with God's people in God's place. But we've got even greater news, greater stability, greater security this side of the gospel. You know why? Because the gospel tells us That God in the person of the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Amen? And He dwells in us because Jesus is God, which is Emmanuel, God with us. So we have Jesus, God with us. We've got the Holy Spirit, God in us. And it's all made possible because of the Lord, God the Father, who is for us. Can I hear an amen on that? It doesn't matter what's going on around us. We've got a God who's for us, with us, and in us. Amen? And listen, when your trust is in that, then you have stability, though the storms rage. You have security, even though the foundations of this country are being shaken. You've got security and stability at work when you've got a boss that's unethical. Or if you're in a marriage with an unethical spouse, an unfaithful spouse. And you're like, how do I deal with this? How do I? This is shaking me up, and it ought to shake you up. But it shouldn't shake your shalom if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And the point of these pictures is this. God's presence with his people gives us an immovable stability and surrounds us with an invincible security for all of eternity. I like what it says. Look at it again. It says... In verse 2, at the end of verse 2, from this time forth and forever, you see, you can have that kind of stability even under the scepter of wickedness. And it will continue and get you until the day that the scepter of righteousness reigns in God's kingdom. So that's the first reason. That's the first confidence. We have a wall of security around us. But that wall of security protects our integrity. Let's look at the second reason. A promise of limitation. There's a promise of limitation in verse 3. In light of the Lord's providence. A promise of limitation in light of the Lord's providence in verse 3. Verse 3 is going to show us that a rock-solid faith in the Lord perseveres. With uncompromising integrity, knowing that the wicked will not rule over us forever. And can we get an amen on that? Yeah. Yeah, don't let this election freak you out. It's not the end of the world. Well, it may be, but then there's another world coming. You know, I'm telling you, if you're freaking out over who is going to get elected and who's got their finger on the button, your trust isn't in the right place. Are you with me? If you're panicked, oh, we got to do this. We got to do that. We got to make sure this happens. I got to convince all my friends. Hey, we've got a Lord that's going to put a limit on the ungodly rule of this planet. So let's take a look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 in your Bible. For the scepter of wickedness shall not rest. And what that means is dwell permanently. It won't... Come to rest and stay in place forever over the land of the righteous, so that the righteous will not put forth their hands to do wrong. In this verse, we have a limitation of promise, a promise of limitation in two ways. Here's the first promise. God will prevent the wicked from ruling permanently. God will prevent the wicked from ruling permanently. The rule of the wicked is not uh, not permanent, it shall not rest, because the rule of God is more powerful. Now here's kind of, think through this, okay? This is where your theology impacts your day-to-day thinking. Now listen to what I'm about to say. It is God's sovereign providence that allows the wicked to rule over the ungodly in the first place. They wouldn't be in power if God had not what? Allowed it. But if he allowed it, then he can remove it. Are you with me? That's the good news. If he allowed it in the first place, it's this same powerful providence that promises to not let the wicked rule forever. So remember, Proverbs says, the heart of the king is in the hand of who? Okay, we, got it. we need some help here. The heart of the wicked is in the hand of who? is in the hand of the Lord. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he puts up and he puts down according to his good pleasure. All right? So, in a democracy, that freaks us out. We have a hard time grasping this. So, we go to two extremes. Well, if God's got this sovereignly, I don't need to vote. No, no. uh, Christian citizenship involves voting. You don't get to opt out. You got to do the hard thinking, you got to do the hard research, and you got to make the hard choices. We need to be responsible and vote. But we need to understand this when we vote, God is going to put up who He wants to put up, and He'll bring them down when He wants to bring them down. All right? Ungodly governments are not in place permanently. That's the first promise. But here's the second promise that brings it home for us. God will prevent the righteous from having to compromise their integrity. God will prevent the righteous from having to compromise their integrity. I don't know about you, but I have increasingly felt the pressure to compromise. And it's kind of the Elijah complex. You know, nobody's living for the Lord but me. You know, no one cares but me. And anybody, I'm telling you, anybody that seeks to live godly faces that temptation all right what's the use the crowd's going even god's people are going this way the majority of god's people are going this way shouldn't we go that way shouldn't we go that way and what this verse is telling you is listen the scepter of wickedness is not forever so don't give. Don't give up. He's saying that, look, the scepter of wickedness is not permanent. It does not rest forever. Therefore, don't compromise your integrity because it seems like things are going to be this way and only get worse. Are you with me? Now, I'm freely preaching this. You're freely listening to it. But you go in other countries of the world, and we would be hidden. And I'd already been in jail numerous times. Our possessions would have been. And then you start thinking, well, maybe I should compromise a little bit. Because who's going to bring down this communist country? Who's going to bring down this ungodly dictator? But I learned a lesson in in, in, in in the 80s. That you can go to bed one night and there can be an iron curtain and you can wake up the next night and it's just like that. You can be where you can't preach the gospel at night. I can't preach the gospel and you get up in the morning and the west... And their resources are pouring into your country to preach the gospel overnight. And that's how quick it can happen. And guess what? It can happen that quick in this country in the opposite direction. We can go to bed in this country thinking, I can freely go to church. I can freely witness. And we could very easily, with one Supreme Court decision, wake up the next morning. And the scepter of wickedness has come down hard, and it seems to be resting, and it seems to be immovable, and suddenly we're going to be tempted in our integrity. And we need to remember this verse and this promise. Hold out. Hold on. Hold out. Don't compromise because they're not permanent, and I'm more powerful. Amen. It's really the promise of 1 Corinthians 10:13. It's really what Paul said to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10:13. No temptation has overtaken you, taken you, but such as is common to man or to people. And God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide a way of escape Also, so that you will be able to endure it. God's promise to his people when we're tempted to compromise our integrity is, I will give you one of two things, a way of escape or a way to endure. But either way, you don't have to give in. And we got tons of examples. Daniel in the lion's den, a way of escape. His three friends in the fiery furnace, a way of escape. And endure through it. But also Stephen who was stoned. And every one of the apostles except John who were martyred. A way to endure and to be faithful unto death. So we have a wall of security that surrounds our heart of integrity. But all that's for a reason. Let's look at number three. The third reason our shalom doesn't have to shake is a prayer of vindication verses four and five a prayer of vindication in light of the lord's power look at verses four and five so having had these promises having looked at the picture they now pray and they say this i love this prayer do good lord to those who are good do good to the good and to those who are upright in heart there's the integrity But as for those who turn aside to their crooked ways, there's the believer that professes, but turns away. They say it, but they don't walk it under pressure of the ungodly. The Lord will lead them away with the doers of iniquity. And then he says, peace be upon Israel. I don't know about you, but four and five doesn't sound peaceful. Okay? But it is, because peace... Will come when wickedness is removed and not a day sooner. Okay, so here's the prayer. Here's the prayer twofold. Oh Lord, reward the upright in heart. Reward the upright in heart. Lord, I've looked at the picture of stability, I've taken the promise of limitation, and I'm going to hold on and hold out. All I'm saying, Lord, is it better be worth it. You better make it worth it in the end. Do good to those who do good. In other words, reward us for our faithfulness. We're waiting for you. Bring your reward. Okay? The second prayer is, "O oh Lord, remove those who fall away and follow after the crooked way of the doers of iniquity. Lord, remove the compromisers and the unbelievers. Wow. That's kind of intense. But here's the good news. Far from us being moved, it's the ungodly that are going to be ultimately removed. Are you with me? We are set. We have security. We have stability. We have integrity. Maintain it. Protect it. Don't move. Because one day the Lord's going to come and He's going to remove the unfaithful and the unbelieving and when he removes them he will reward us and we will experience perfect shalom in the kingdom of God isn't that beautiful now I hope that's a big enough vision that it makes the election shrink in size right I hope it does so because man there's so many Psalms I I wish we had time I take you to Psalm 15 Well, let's go there anyway. We'll just go there. Psalm 15. Go to Psalm 15. Because I want you to see how security is tied to integrity. Integrity enables us to live with loyalty or fidelity to the Lord. And this is what God requires. We cannot enter into the joy of our journey on a false profession of faith. We can only enter into the joy on our journey with a profession, with, by walking the talk, okay, with integrity of heart. Look at Psalm 15. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. Here's David, a man after God's own heart. Here's what he says. O oh Lord, who may abide in your tent? In other words, who can dwell in the tabernacle? Who can live in the temple? Who can dwell in your presence? Who may dwell on your holy hill? That's Zion, the place of God's presence. But here's the answer. He who walks with integrity and works righteousness and speaks truth in his heart. He does not slander with his tongue, nor he does evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a reprobate is despised. That's not P.C., But who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He does not put out his money at interest, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. And then look at the last phrase. He who does these things will never be, what? Shaken. Moved. Shaken. Stable. Secure. Integrity. Fidelity. Loyalty. But let me say this, though we can pray pray this prayer of vindication, the right to do it is not because we're better than anyone else. The right to do it is not because we don't have wicked hearts. The right to do it is not because we have never been doers of iniquity. The right to do it is because we have put a rock-solid faith in the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, rock-solid faith is built upon the rock that never rolls. And I waited all week to say that. (laughs) I was like, I can't wait to get to the end of that because they're going to think that's so cool. Yeah, thank you, Bill. I appreciate that. Rock-solid faith. Listen, but you know what? We miss this idea. Listen to Deuteronomy 32.4. The rock... His work is perfect, for all His ways are just. A God of faithfulness without injustice, righteous and upright as He. I can be rock solid because my trust is in the rock, the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I pray not in arrogance, but in humility. God has made me faithful. And I pray that I may maintain that faithfulness. You see, Jesus Christ is the rock that is our confidence. Now, rock-solid faith lives with security because the rock enables his people to live with security in insecure times. We live with integrity because the rock enables his people to live with purity in impure times. We live with fidelity because the rock enables people to live with faithfulness in unfaithful times. So the rock solid faith in the lord jesus christ builds a wall of security around the heart of integrity so that we can live with fidelity right now under ungodliness but also to the end when godly the godly kingdom comes now i want to end with a famous hymn upon this rock on Christ that saw the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking stand. It was written by Edward Moat. Uh, he was born in 1797, and he's one of those rare hymn writers who grew up without religious training in an ungodly home. And there, his parents were pub owners. They didn't care to parent him. They sent him off to apprentice him to a cabinet maker. And by God's sovereign grace, he heard the preaching of a Calvinist Methodist. There you go. That's something to hear. And he was living in London. And at the age of 15, he became became born again. And he became a successful cabinet maker. And in 1852, at the age of 55, he became a Baptist minister. And along the way, he grew in the skill and the art of hymn writing. And he wrote over a hundred hymns. But the one that we probably know best is My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. It was written in 1834, and it originally began with these words, Nor earth, nor hell, my soul can move. And the title of it originally was Jesus, My All in All. So I just want to end here with another song that matches this inspired song. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath... His covenant and blood support me in the overwhelming flood. When every earthly prop gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh may I then in him be found. Clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ... The solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So I pray that you will take heed to the application. And you will lean into this picture of stability in the presence of the Lord. You will persevere in living with integrity. But most of all that you will take this message, and when others talk about this election, when others are in a panic, you will take the message of this psalm and say, you know what, my hope is in Christ, the solid rock. Could I tell you about him? Could I share with you what gives me stability in these uncertain times? Don't leave this lesson right here. Take it out with you. Let's share it this week. If you'll ask God for the opportunity, He will give it to you more than you can even imagine. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that Your goodness and grace is a wall of security. I thank You, Lord, that You protect my integrity, but I have to choose to do good. I have to choose to follow after You. I have to come clean with my sin And I have to pursue hard and run hard and fight hard in order to keep my trust on you. And Lord, I thank you that we can live with fidelity no matter who's elected. And we can live with fidelity no matter what laws are enacted. No matter what other people do, Lord, we can be loyal to the end. And Lord, we look for the reward And we anticipate the removal of all ungodliness that dishonors your name, diminishes your glory, and seeks to defeat your people. Our trust is in you. You're the rock that will never roll. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged this week.